Welcome to the African Campfire Stories podcast. This podcast program is dedicated to the telling of African history stories and events. You can visit us on our social media pages on Twitter, African Campfire Stories on Facebook, African Campfire Stories on Instagram, African Campfire Stories. Our website is www.africancampfirestories.com. Before we go into today's episode, please be aware that Cold War Pawns is a series. The first episode of this series is Cold War Pawns Episode 2. We suggest that you listen from Episode 2 to Episode 12 of Cold War Pawns in order to make full sense of where we are in our Cold War story. Today's episode is still on the DRC. Here is the episode. This is Cold War Pawns Episode 13, Lumumba and Mubutu. A point of note before we begin today. We have previously stated that the country called the Democratic Republic of the Congo today has gone through many names. There was the Kingdom of the Bakongo and other native kingdoms. Then the Congo Free State, the Belgian Congo, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, then Zaire, and now the Democratic Republic of the Congo. So, we have decided to use the name of the country today to avoid confusion. But when we mention any of these names, please be aware that we are talking about the DRC. We will, however, minimize the use of any terms other than that of the DRC. Last time on episode 12 of the Cold War Pawns, still on the DRC, we provided a sweeping summary of all the ground we have covered so far in the series. So, we won't do that again this time. But, we will provide a quick look at where things stood by the end of episode 12 on Cold War Pawns. Patrice Lumumba was busy running around and doing his best to try and obtain assistance for the country we now call the Democratic Republic of the Congo. He was getting rejected left, right and centre. In the last two episodes of Cold War Pawns, we wanted you, the audience, to get a sense of two main points as the DRC was obtaining independence from Belgium. The first is the extreme level of chaos that was going on. The second is the dizzying speed with which everything was occurring. On this episode and the next, we will slow things down a bit so that we can do some analysis of what is happening in the DRC at this historical period we are at right now, meaning the period from the late 1950s to the mid-1960s. We will also provide an analysis of what is about to happen, but not only in the DRC per se. What is about to happen in the DRC, although it might have not been obvious at the time, is going to play over and over again across the African continent. When we say we will do an analysis, we do not mean we will provide you with our own opinions. The analysis will be based on historical facts. Towards the end of episode 12, we also tried to achieve two further things. One, to show how erratic Lumumba was starting to seem. Two, to give an ominous and chilling introduction to Mobutu. We hope we achieved the level of chilliness we wanted to make you feel. The relationship and intersection between these two individuals, Lumumba and Mobutu, is going to be a stereotype of how things will play out in Africa during and after the Cold War. 
So by discussing what happened between these two, we will get an outline of the pattern of what is going to be happening in Africa starting from the 1950s to the end of the Cold War in the early 1990s. We will not go into detail about the facts on Lumumba and Mobutu that are not necessary for the understanding of the impact of the Cold War in Africa. Later on African Campfire Stories podcast, we will specifically cover the DRC in the form of a series. In that series, more detail will be provided about the history of the DRC and the people that drove that history. Starting from the independence of African countries in the late 1950s, you are going to get almost the same thing occurring every time as each African country became free. Of course, there is always exceptions to this rule. For instance, when South Africa got its freedom in the early 1990s, that country will famously not follow the model that has plagued Africa since the advent of independence in the late 1950s. But maybe South Africa was lucky because the Cold War was over by the time her turn to be free came around. So, what is this model we speak of? Well, we have already stated in previous episodes, specifically episode 10 of Cold War Pawns, that the arrival of freedom in Africa took to developing a pattern of events. At the beginning, there was extreme joy. Joy occasioned by being able to finally get rid of the colonial power. There was hope and there were dreams. Then, this was followed quickly by a realization that freedom was going to be a messy affair. Finally, there would arise an oppressive dictatorship that would claim to know the answers to the mess. In the case of the DRC, the dictatorship would come in the person of Mobutu. Colonization did Africans a dubious favor by relatively suppressing the many ills of African society, including the ever-present problem of tribalism. Once the European empires left the Africans to their own devices, many issues came to the fore. The nastiest one being tribalism. At this present moment, the African Campfire Stories podcast is running a series on xenophobia called Xenophobia and Hatred. We will get into more detail there about the genocidal urges that tribalism can instill. One of the many problems that had been hidden by the struggle for freedom was how many of the African parties that had fought the struggle were basically mere fronts for tribal interests. The DRC was no exception. Take the example of the Konakat party we spoke about in episode 12. This party was established in 1958, mainly in response to a developing social and political situation in the Katanga province. At the time, immigrants from other parts of the DRC, notably the Lulua and the Baluba peoples of Kasai province, made up 38% of Katanga's population. The authentic Katanganese referred to them disparagingly as strangers. To the Konakat party, the mineral resources of Katanga province belonged only to the authentic ethnic Katanganese. The MNC party, also founded in 1958 and also mentioned in episode 12, was a national party with substantial support in the whole Congo. This was unique because most other parties were based mainly on tribal and or ethnic grounds and they obtained support mainly in their respective provinces. The MNC party was founded by, amongst others, Patrice Lumumba, 
However, the MNC paid for being all-inclusive. It had too many factions. In African countries fraught with ethnic, tribalistic and regionalist tensions, the last thing people want is the centralization of anything. In post-independence Africa, even a word as innocent as region is an undercover word for tribalism. So, there were intentions in the MNC between those that wanted the party to be centralized and those that wanted it to be federalized. Federalism is essentially a structure that might be national but also has strong regional control. For instance, the U.S. is regarded to have a federal system. That is why their provinces or states, as they call them over there, have so much power in the U.S. In 1959, the MNC party finally split up under the pressure. One of the splinter parties was known as MNCK, and the MNCK's support was mainly in Elizabethville. That is modern-day Lubumbashi. And among the Baluba ethnic groups, all this ethnicist tension is occurring before the DRC even obtained freedom. It is occurring right when the colonial enemy still has its boot on the neck of the Africans. So imagine, what would happen in Africa once the colonial parties have been gotten rid of? These parties that had fought for freedom began to squabble amongst themselves, and most times this resulted in civil wars and ethnic cleansing, which is just a nice code word for genocide. In addition to tribalism, there was the economic mess that the newly minted independent African countries had to face. On top of all of this, you had the conflict-driven relationship between the Western world led by America and the communist world led by the USSR, a.k.a. Russia. The conflict is called the Cold War, as our previous episodes have explained in great detail. Lumumba and Mobutu had to operate in this unforgivingly chaotic environment. Lumumba and Mobutu will come to serve as the twin stereotype of the revolutionary and idealistic African leader and the strong man or big man of Africa, respectively. We will therefore need to get into each of these men a bit more. As I've stated previously, we will not get into more detail than what we need for our Cold War Pawns series. Let us start with Lumumba. We will go into Mobutu in the next episode. Patrice Emery Lumumba was born on the 25th of July 1925. The name he was given at birth is Elias Okit Asombo. He was born in Onalua village, next to Katako Kombe, in the Sankuru district of northeastern Kasai. If you remember from episode 12, Kasai is one of the provinces that rebelled against the central government of the DRC immediately after independence. The other province that did so was Katanga. Moving on. Like most ambitious young black men in the DRC, young Lumumba was eager to work hard so he could enter the Evolu black class. Evolu is a French word. And I do hope I will not butcher the French pronunciation. Evolu was used to describe upwardly mobile African and Asian natives in their French and Belgian colonies. To put it bluntly, the Evolus were the native colonial folks who were as close as the native could get to being a Frenchman. You became an Evolu 
through education and assimilation. Evolus spoke French mostly. Followed European customs, were Christian, held white-collar jobs and lived mainly in urban areas. Of course, when describing people in human behavior and human categories, nothing is ever that neat and clear cut out. So, you had some exceptions and variations to the description of the Evolus we have provided. Who exactly was an Evolu could be difficult to determine. The Belgian government realized that it could use the Evolus for its propaganda purposes. This could be achieved by using the Evolus to illustrate the point that colonial policies were not all that bad. That the policies were meant to civilize natives. Especially so long as the natives were willing to accept European culture and values and norms. To further implement their propaganda strategy, in 1954, the Belgians opened Lovanium University in Leopoldville, now Kinshasa, in order to provide university education to the Evolus. It was partly lingering colonial tendencies, like the widespread aspirations to become Evolus that motivated Mobutu to implement a process of getting back to native authenticity. Mobutu's Back to Nativism program was called Zairianization in English or Authenticite in French. Please forgive my French. It was implemented in the 1960s and early 1970s. This authenticity drive was an effort to fix the effects of colonialization and its Western influences and to establish a common national identity. So far, I have made the Evolus to sound very bad. However, it was the Evolus that drove the process of freeing the DRC from colonization. They populated the high levels of the Africanist political parties that drove the struggle for freedom. As the people closest to the colonial regime in terms of culture and customs, the Evolus began their struggle in a rather selfish manner by offering to act as the middlemen between the still rough and raw natives and the Belgians. This attempt was largely a failure. This drove them to more radical approaches in the fight for freedom. Both Lumumba and Mobutu can be considered to be Evolus. We've ran out of time for today. Catch us next time as we continue to explore the situation in the DRC through the eyes of Lumumba and Mobutu. Stay tuned. See you next time.